we are in the book of Acts, and we're going to continue our time going through the book of Acts. And where we've been in the book of Acts has led us up to this point, and that is that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church. That the Spirit was poured out on the church on the day of Pentecost, and we saw that Peter stood up and that he began to preach, and he preached this incredible sermon, and 3,000 people got saved in one day. And the church went from about 120 to 3,000 when the Holy Spirit fell and moved upon their midst. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 today. And it is amazing to me how God puts things together. That, that God knew way before we got here this week that we were going to be having this situation. However, he has ordained it that we would be going through this passage of Scripture, which is really Amazing how God lines things up. It, it really is quite amazing. You know, uh, a while back, I had the opportunity to go to a pastor's conference, and it was a, a denominational pastor's conference. It wasn't like a charismatic kind of church like we are. It was more traditional and denominational. And, and even though there were 4,000 people in this pastor's conference, when the preacher preached, it was dead silent. And even though the preaching was amazing, and many times I wanted to shout, amen, I, I, I could tell that that's not what you do here. And I sat there and I just wondered, what would it be like to, to preach in a, in, a, in a church like this where there's just no feedback, no amens, no, praise God. No, preach it, brother. And now I get to figure out what that's like. As, uh, actually, no, it won't be. I think, this, I think the handful of people that are still here today are going to be more lively. Uh, so anyway, very excited about this passage that we're going to be in today. And uh, it's amazing to me that, that the, the things in this passage speak exactly to what we need right now, what we're going through. And... You know, the, the whole coronavirus thing and, and people getting sick and, listen, we want to be sensitive to that. We are sensitive to that. We want to be praying for people and, and lifting people up and washing our hands and trying not to kiss everybody and, you know, all of that. However, God's people, we're not just to survive this. God wants his people to thrive during this time. And, and that's what we're going to see in our passage today is, is that God's people, even in the midst of persecution, that they are thriving, that they are growing, that their numbers are being added to. And, and I believe that that can happen even in our own day and age as, as God's people are not called to be people of fear, but to be people of faith. And so I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right into the word today. And again, we want to thank everybody who's joined us online and uh, those handful of you who are here with us today. I'm glad that you're here today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are uh, in control. And Lord, we ask that, that you would speak to our hearts today through your word, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would build our faith. 
Lord, that in these uncertain times that the church of Jesus Christ would arise. Lord, that we would, would shine as lights in the midst of darkness. That, that we would, you would put your church on display so that we could show forth the hope that we have in you. Lord, that we don't have to be afraid and live our lives in worry and dread and panic and fear. But Lord, we can trust in you because you hold all things in your hand, including us, your people. And just as you said that, that you hold your children in your hand and that nothing, nothing can snatch us out of your hand. We thank you for that and we rest in that word today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches this incredible sermon. And, and we looked at that last week. And 3,000 souls were saved and added to the church. And then what happened? What happened to this church that went from 120 to 3,000? Certainly this was a church that was spirit-filled. Can we agree on that? Amen. If the, ever there was a, a spirit-filled church, it was this church. And so we are going to see what a, a spirit-filled church, how we should live and what we should be doing. Because I endeavor for Destiny Church to be a spirit-filled church. Amen? Yeah. And so we're going to see the marks of, of a, a church that has the Spirit of God moving on the inside of it, moving among their midst. And what we're going to see is that this is the key to thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in uncertain times. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The first thing I want to draw your attention to in this passage is in verse 42 where it says that they devoted themselves to these things. Now we're going to look at the four things that they were devoted to, but first we need to understand what it means to be devoted this means that they were fully committed. Fully committed. That's, that's 100%. All in. Not 98%, not 99.5%. That they were fully committed to these things that were in this passage. Devoted. This means that they continued steadfastly in these things. This wasn't something they did for a little while. This is how they lived their lives. And we need to know and, and understand that, 
that our faith, our walk with God, that Christianity is an ongoing lifestyle. It is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment walk with God, fellowship with God. Being a Christian is not only about Sundays. It's also about Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and, and Saturdays. And if they invented an eighth day of the week, it would be on that day too. The Christianity is not just about nine to five. It's 24-7, 365. It's not just about coming to church and, and singing some songs. It's about who we are as salt and light in the world. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not simply about what happens here, although what happens here is important. But it's, it's also about how we live our lives moment by moment, day by day, an ongoing lifestyle. Listen, being a Christian is not just about coming and, and giving your life to God and saying a prayer. It's not just about being water baptized. Those things are important. But if what happens in here doesn't affect what's happening out there, James says, the, the apostle James says, your faith is dead. Your faith is worthless. It's not of any value. Because if your faith in, in the almighty transcendent God who gave his life for your sins, who rose again to give you eternal life, if, if your faith and relationship with that God doesn't change your life, it's not real faith, it's not genuine faith, it, 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 it's not pra- putting it, being put into practice and having an effect. And so we need to see that they were They were devoted to these things, and I would charge and encourage us as a church that we too, even in the midst of uncertain times, and especially in the midst of uncertain times, need to be devoted to these things as well, and that these are the key to not being swept away in the waves of panic that are causing people to, you know, fill up their station wagons with toilet paper. As if, I don't know what, what you're going to do with all of that. How that's going to keep the coronavirus away from you, I don't know. It's like, what is going on, people? We're, we're not called to get caught up in the hysteria. We don't, we don't need to live in worry and fear. And if you will devote yourself to these things, you won't just survive in this time. You will thrive and the kingdom of God will expand. Amen. That God will take what the enemy meant for evil and he will work it for our good. Amen. I just noticed that they didn't set the timer for me today, so I have no idea (laughs) what's happening. So anyway. (laughs) And the great thing about the live stream, by the way, those of you who are watching on live stream, is you don't have to worry about the volume. You get to be in control. It's not too loud. It's not too quiet. You can set it for yourself. So anyway, uh, anyway, okay, let's, let's get on to these four things uh, that they were devoted to. Number one, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Now, where did the apostles receive this teaching? The Lord Jesus 
Had they not spent three years with him, receiving instruction from him? And before we went into the book of Acts, we looked at the last chapter of the book of Luke, and it said that, that the Lord opened their mind to understand the scriptures, that he gave the apostles supernatural revelation about the Old Testament uh, scriptures, and that he spent with them 40 days teaching them, instructing them, showing them everything and, and giving them divine revelation. And so when it says that now the apostles are, are teaching, what is the teaching that they're bringing? They're bringing us Jesus' words, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' instruction. And the apostles' teaching was, they were devoted to this. And, and, and we see in this passage that they were devoted day by day to these things. That this wasn't something that they just did every Sunday, that actually the church was gathering day by day to come together to, to fellowship, to receive the apostles' teaching. Now, if only we could have a copy of the apostles' teaching today. Oh, wait, we do. It's called the New Testament. Thankfully, they wrote it down for us. Thankfully, somebody else copied it down, and, 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 and men and women throughout the years have paid a great price so that we could hold the apostles' teaching in our hands. William Tyndale killed, murdered, martyred for translating the Bible into the common language of the people. That men and women have, have paid the price with their own blood so that we could hold the apostles' teaching in their hands in our hands today. And if men and women throughout church history have been so devoted to the word of God that they would pay for it with their very lives so that people could hear it and receive it and, and have their lives changed by it, how much more should we, who, who, who have the freedoms and liberties that we have in this great country, that have the access that we have on our smartphones, on our computers, to Bibles everywhere we are. We have access to the word of God. Listen, we, like the early church, must be devoted to the word of God, to the Bible. The first century church was a Bible-studying church, continuously, continually receiving God's word. And I would remind you that a spirit-filled Christian will not neglect studying the Bible. One of the, fir the first mark, after this whole amazing thing has happened, 3,000 souls added to the church, the first thing that it says that they do is they devote themselves to the word of God. The first sign of a spirit-filled church is one in which the people do not run away from scripture, but are driven to it to have their spiritual lives rooted and grounded in God's word. This is what you need. This is what we need as a church, as a people. If we are not going to be swept up in the chaos that's happening in our culture, we need to have our feet firmly planted on the word of God. A sure foundation. And the word of God teaches us how to live in uncertain times. 
If we will grab a hold to the word of God, if we will devote ourselves to God's word and, and, and listen to what God's word says, we can have peace in our heart and hope in our heart and faith in our heart. We don't have to live in fear if we will fill our souls with God's word. You see, God's word nourishes us. It feeds us. It is spiritual food to us. God's word washes our soul and cleanses our thoughts. And, and I, I would just encourage you as a church to, to not spend 24-7 on CNN or Fox News during this time. I mean, my goodness, you would think the whole world has come to an end. It hasn't. God is still on the throne. Grounded firmly in God's word. Now, pay attention to what's going on. As Christians, we don't bury our head in the sand. But we don't need to be listening to the news six hours a day. Constantly glued. You know, maybe like 30 minutes, get an update. Did, did the whole world come crashing down today? No. Okay. Wash my hands. Okay, got it. Got it. Don't touch my face. Got it. Everybody's out of toilet paper. All right, got it. Got it. Okay, got it. There's this hysteria going on. And here's the deal with the news. Here, here's my issue with the news. They do not come from a position of faith. They don't come from a position of faith. They have no faith in God. They just come from a position of, you know, the, the world and if, if what's happening in the world. And, and, and if things are going badly and if, if the tests and this and that and this and that, that's all that they have. But we have more than that, don't we? And so if we just allow the news to spread their fear, it will get inside of us. And God has not given us as his people a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So if we will turn off the news and turn on the good book, we will be filled with faith. Let me draw your attention to just a couple passages uh, that will build your faith. Psalm 139. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. Psalm 139. I don't have time to read this whole psalm. I wish that I did, but I encourage you to do so. Spend some time reading Psalm 30, 139 this week. But I'll read a couple verses. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. God knows you. He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on in your life. Of course, we know that he has the number of hairs on our head counted. I mean, think about, think, could, could there be anything more insignificant in your life than the number of hairs on your head? No. God even pays attention to that. So if he's going to pay attention to the number of hairs you have on your head, how much more is he going to pay attention to the things that we actually need? Amen. You have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. God watches everything. 
You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything that's going on in your life. Verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. That means that God is in front of you and behind you. And you lay your hand upon me. When, when I read that verse, I just think of God tucking me into bed. Just like I go and I tuck my little kids into bed. They want me to tuck them in. I don't know why they do, but it brings them peace and security. And they'll kick their covers off and they'll come and ask me to tuck them in again. And then they'll kick their covers off and they'll ask their mom to come and tuck them in. I don't understand this, but it's like God tucking us in. That peace and security that it gives to my children when we come and we say, we love you, we're here, we're just down the hall, it's going to be all right. It's God towards us. The psalmist writes, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He says, it blows my mind. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Basically, God is everywhere. Verse 13, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We're God's creation. God made you. He put you together exactly the way that you are. He gave you your hair color, your eye color. He said, you're going to be this tall. Or this short, right? I mean, he, 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 he created you and he's, he's knitted you together with love and with care. God's not going to abandon you just because of a virus, amen? But listen to this, verse 16. In my mother's womb, you saw my unformed substance when you were being put together. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When, not, when as yet there was none of them. What does that mean? That means before you were even in your mother's womb, God saw every single day of your life. Every single day. Every single day. God saw before you were born the day of your birth. God knows the day you will die. We don't know. We can live in fear of that, but God knows, and it's not going to be a surprise to him. It will not be a surprise to him, and the truth is, all of us, one day, will die. It got real quiet in here. All of us have an expiration date. We don't know when that is, but God does, and God's ways are perfect. And his plan is perfect. And from the foundation of the world, the life that he gave us, he laid it out for us. And so we don't have to live in fear because of that. But because we are Christians and we have hope of eternal life, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because of the resurrection of Christ and eternal life, I don't have to live in fear of death. I don't have to live in fear of sickness. I don't have to let my life be dominated by a culture that has succumbed to fear. 
Because before I was even born, God knew the day that I would die. It's already mapped out. So I don't have to live in fear. He knows when it is. That's all, they need. That's all I need to know is that he knows. My kids will say, are we there yet? And I say, look, guys, we're not. But I know where we're going, and I know how to get us there. So just trust me that I'm going to get you there. And if we have eternal life in Christ, the, 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 the fear of death and the power of death has been broken in our lives. And we must, as Christians, be devoted to this teaching from God's word. Amen. This is a sure foundation for us in uncertain times. This is why Paul can write in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul says, it would be better for me to die because then I can go be with Christ. But I'm going to stay here for a little while for your sake, Philippians, to encourage you, to instruct you, to teach you. Listen, what a revelation. He understood Christ and who he was and to be in his presence was so much better to be here. This is the solid foundation that we as Christians need to stand on. Listen, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the coronavirus. I'm not a doctor. I think we should be diligent. I think we should be prudent. I think we should wash our hands. We shouldn't touch our face. We should, we should you know, let's not shake hands for a while and give each other a happy wave and a fist bump and all that. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But some of us maybe get sick. Some of us maybe die. And if we do, hey, we're in the presence of God. You've gone to a better place. Listen, something's going to punch your ticket. I don't know what it's going to be. But God already knows. And his ways and plan are perfect. Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Steady yourself, because I have overcome the world, Jesus says. So, death, where is your victory? There is no victory in death. There is no sting in death. And so we need to not just hear God's word, we need to put it into practice in our lives. This isn't something just for super Christians, this is normal Christianity, Matthew 7, 14, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. James 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only. We need to be devoted to the word of God. In this time, in this season of uncertain times, daily you need to be opening God's word, letting it flood your mind, wash your thoughts, strengthen your soul, strengthen your spirit so that you can have your feet firmly planted on a sure foundation that will not be shaken. Number two thing they, they were devoted to was to fellowship with one another. Now, the irony is not lost on me that the passage that we're looking at today that encourages us to come together and fellowship is the Sunday that which we're just doing a live stream service. But God knows, and we can fellowship not only here, but out there. And we can encourage each other via text and message and all of that, but 
Going forward at Destiny Church, we are going to have our community groups, which do not cap out at 250 yet. We're going to be having our King's Bible Institute. We're going to be having our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. We're going to keep gathering together because we need each other. And if ever we needed each other, it was t- it's times like this to gather together and to strengthen each other. And what we see is that these people, they gather together and they begin to sell their possessions and to, to, to give generously so that people who have needs can, can have their needs met. They're loving each other. This fruit of the Spirit, which is love, is being poured out. It's overflowing in their hearts. They come together. They love each other. Listen, we have got to stay together in these times. We, gotta, we, got, we can't stop gathering. I'm so convinced of this. I know we had to make some adjustments today to comply with our government authorities, which I firmly believe in. But like I said, next Sunday, we're going to meet at 9. We're going to meet at 1045. We're going to have our community groups. We're going to have KBI. We're going to have youth ministry. We're going to have Celebrate Recovery. Our gatherings are going to continue. Amen. Now, if you're sick and you have a fever, just, you know, don't come. All right? Just stay away. That's all right. We want to be prudent and smart and wise, but we still got to be devoted to one another. One person alone is a Christian, but it takes God's people coming together to make up the church. You have a personal relationship with God, but you also, and we also need to be part of the family of God. We need to, to, to concern ourselves with our personal relationship with God, but we also need to be concerned about our participation in God's family. And so you can be a Christian by yourself, but to be the church, we have to be together. We have to be together. The third thing they were devoted to is the breaking of bread, coming together and sharing meals with one another. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, you know, in, in San Antonio, it would be the breaking of tortillas, you know, and the sharing of enchiladas. But th- this is something biblical, that God's people come together and share a meal together. That, that, that that is not only a practical thing, it's a spiritual thing. And this covers just fellowship meals, but it also covers communion and taking the Lord's Supper together. Something that we have to be devoted to. We must be devoted to coming together. And it says that they broke bread from house to house. Listen, as we continue to gather in community groups, it's essential that we come together from house to house, that we do not isolate ourselves in this time. We can't afford to be alone. We need each other. We need each other to encourage each other, to strengthen each other. I want to encourage everybody who's, who's listening today, those who are here and those on the live stream, and pick up the phone today and, and, and call someone and encourage them. Pick up the phone today to somebody that you know is, is really struggling, who, who's maybe giving in to a spirit of fear, and call them and, and encourage them. And say, we don't have to be afraid because God is in control. The, first, the fourth thing they devoted themselves to was to prayer. To prayer, to crying out to God. 
to asking for God to move. And this is something that the Lord has placed on my heart very strongly that we as a church need to rally around prayer in this time and in this season. And so, as the emails have gone out and the announcements have gone out, but we will be gathering here week, week, on every weekday starting tomorrow from noon until 1 during lunchtime for prayer. Anybody is welcome to join us if you're able to join us. I will be here. We will be here gathering, praying, seeking God, asking for him to move. You know, some people will say, well, if God is sovereign and he rules and reigns over all and he's going to do what he's going to do, why is it that we pray? And I understand that question. I understand the tension there, but let me... Let me help you see it from a different light. If God is not sovereign and God does not rule and reign over all, what good would prayer do anyway? It's because God is sovereign and because God rules and reigns over all that we can pray, that we can ask him to move. If God is not sovereign, there's, there's no reason to pray. But because he is, we pray. Now, what is the relationship between God's sovereignty and our prayers and, and God's will and our will and God's d- decisions and our faith? What's the relationship between all of that? I'll, here, I'll give you the answer. I don't know. I, I don't know how all of that works together. But what I do know is that the Bible tells us to pray. And so as response to God's word in faith, I don't have it all figured out, but just because it's a problem for me, it's not a problem for God, and he's the one who has to work and move. And so we as God's people must respond in these times by devoting ourselves to prayer, devoting ourselves to prayer, to to carving out time, to, to, to setting aside time that we would normally devote to other things, I think especially in this time. We should rally and devote ourselves to these four things. Devote ourselves to the word of God. Set set aside specific time in your day to read God's word, to pray. Devote yourself to encouraging one another and to fellowship and to still coming together and even taking communion and breaking bread together. Amen. And what we see is that as they did these things that this supernatural generosity overflowed in their hearts. People were selling their stuff, putting stuff on Craigslist so that they could buy groceries or toilet paper for people that didn't have it. So what would that look like in our modern day and age if you went to Sam's and you loaded up on a car full of toilet paper? That's not for you. Give it away to somebody who doesn't have some TP, you know? Like, start thinking not just of yourself, but how you can be a blessing and serve others in practical ways. Heather said to me yesterday, I'm going to go check on our neighbor and see if she has any toilet paper because everyone's been buying it up like crazy. Listen, we we can't become inward focused. We we can't give in to our base fleshly nature. We can't give in to the atheistic, godless ideology of the day of survival of the fittest. 
No, as God's people, we're here to love and to serve one another, to lay down our needs and wants so that others may be served in the name of Christ. Listen, my prayer and hope for you and us as a church is that as we devote ourselves to these things, that God would fill us with so much faith that you would have fear eradicated from your life, that you would be able to walk through life confident and shine for Jesus. Be wise. Wash your hands. But don't freak out. The sky is not falling. Jesus is still on the throne. And he is going to take care of us. And he is going to take care of his people. And he is going to hold our hands all the way into eternity. I want to give one final encouragement to the men. One final encouragement to the men. And then we will close in prayer today. I've counseled with many men throughout the years who I've encouraged to be the spiritual leader in their homes, to be the leader in prayer, to be the leader in opening God's word in the home. And many men struggle with that because they've, they haven't done it that way for so long. And they think, well, if, if I start doing it now, it's going to be awkward because I've done it, I haven't done it that way for so long, and I'm into this habit, and it's just going to be strange and awkward. But listen, men, God has called you to be the leader in your home. He's called you to be the leader in prayer. He's called you to be the leader in opening the word of God in your home. It's your job, men. And I would encourage all the men who've struggled with implementing that part of their spiritual walk because they haven't done it in the past, use this whole health crisis as an opportunity to gather your family, to start gathering your family and say, listen, we need to pray. What's going on in our world, what's going on in our culture, what's going on in our city, family, we need to come together, we need to pray. Family, we need to come together and read God's word. Use this crisis as an opportunity to course correct in your family. Start daily getting your family together. You, listen, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a theologian. Open Psalm 23. Read it with your family. Say God's going to take care of us and lead them in prayer. Listen, men, you're called to do this. And by God's grace, he will help you do it. But we must take the first step and step out in faith, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's a little bit awkward, and watch how God will move in your family. Watch how God will move in your family. Many of us have family members who don't know and love the Lord. They're freaking out right now. Their world is crashing down. Ours is not, because we're part of the kingdom of God. But their world is crashing down. Listen, dear friends, what would it look like if you invited all of your family over for a Bible study this week? And you said, family, why don't you come over and we're just going to pray together. We're going to read God's word together. I guarantee you there would be people that showed up at your house and that God would move. Listen, as God's people, it's time for, this is our time to shine. This is our time to thrive. 
We have the hope of the world. His name is Jesus Christ. There's something much, much worse than the coronavirus. It's the virus of sin. Jesus paid the price for the virus of sin. Jesus paid the price for eternal death, which is much worse than dying of the coronavirus. Jesus paid the price. We have the answer. It's time to rise up and to shine our lights. Amen. So let us as a church be devoted to the word of God. Let us be devoted to fellowship. Let us be devoted to breaking of bread together. And let us be devoted to prayer. Whether it's together or in our homes. And if you will do these things, I promise you, God will eradicate fear from your life. And you will live a life of faith that draws other people into a relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this unusual Sunday. But Lord, we know that you rule and reign over all. And we trust in you and we trust in your plan. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we've had to gather together and worship. Lord, that your spirit is moving in our midst and moving in our homes today. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, that is a sure foundation for our lives that teaches us that you are in control. What shall we say to all of these things? If God is for me, who can be against me? That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, reassure our hearts. Help us to take heart today because you have overcome the world. That even the coronavirus is under your feet today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fellowship that we have as being a part of a local church that we can come together and encourage one another we thank you for prayer, or that we can approach you, and that we can petition you, and that we can ask you to move. And so, Lord, even right now, as we conclude our time together, we ask that you would move. Lord, that you would move in our country, that you would move in our nation. Lord, that you would give the doctors wisdom as they're combating this virus. We thank you for the doctors. We thank you for the medical community. Lord, we ask for your special hand of protection and blessing upon the medical community as they serve those who are ill and serve those who are sick. Lord, I, I pray that they would be an extension of your hands and of your feet and of your healing, God. Lord, we ask that you would sovereignly, providentially push back this virus. Lord, what the enemy means for evil, that you would, would push it back. That, Lord, that you would cause it to dissipate. Lord, that you would crush it. That you would destroy it. We ask you for that. We plead with you for that. Lord, that you would give and grant to your people supernatural wisdom. Lord, that we would be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Lord, that we would, would know the right things to do as we seek you in this time. And Lord, that you would fill us, your people, with an unwavering, unflinching faith in you, our sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords, and that we can know that we can trust in you because you are good and you love us. And your plan and your, pur and your purposes are always perfect. God, I thank you for each person that has, has gathered here with us today and, and each person that is listening online. Lord, I ask that you would fill them with your spirit. 
which is not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, reaching out beyond ourselves, and a spirit of sound mind, sound thinking. Fill us with your spirit as your church, that we would arise as your church in this season and in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.